this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode. Thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining at patreon.com forward slash dig me out. Jay, the stickers, the first round of our new line of merch. Merch, I like that word. Uh, is going out. People are, are posting on uh, Instagram and, and Facebook that they're getting them and enjoying seeing the the special things getting sent out with them as well. The little surprises. <laughs> little surprises. Fun to see what everybody got. Yes. Totally Cracker random. Jack box style. I did it. I did it random. So, you know, I shuffled them up, stuck them in there and saw what happened and it's uh it's interesting to say the least. Some of them are pairing up nicely. Some of them are total like what the hell, but that's all right. Jay Let's focus on this episode right now, and let's, let's talk about the album that we're going to be reviewing. Actually, let's not talk about it. Let's let our guest, our returning guest, he's been here before. He's back again. Talking. Third time. What? My third time. Third time. That's right. What were? The, okay, Scott Witt joining us for the th- the third time. Uh, you are almost at the um, the uh, sport coat level. Five times get you the sport coat, the Dig Me Out sport coat. Ooh. So um, what were your previous visits? What were your previous suggestions? Uh, first one was Super Transatlantic. Oh, that's right. And the second one was in the second one was The Gathering. Yes. Two interesting episodes. The Gathering Hopefully. was like, uh, that was a big one to tackle. That was a double. Yeah. But that was fun. Sort of. Sort of, yes. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, I, that one I'm sure nobody probably heard of, so. Well, what's funny is that not long after that episode, they announced a reissue of that record. Um, like a, you know, yeah. huge vinyl reissue. And we, we got a lot of, uh, um, attention from the, they must have pretty hardcore fans because that got shared quite a bit and, Accommodate yeah, they do much more than we expected. Right. Her, uh, her, her, she's. I mean, the band's kind of, I don't know, you know, infrequent, but she's, she's still really out there, popular stuff. So. Let's see if this band today will generate that sort of global interest. Ooh, I hope so. I hope so. I doubt, uh, it. I doubt it. You're probably right. <laughs> Tell everyone your pick. And tell uh, folks why you picked it. Well, my pick is the album Is by the band The Big F. Um, I know nobody's heard of them. My, my, the reason I chose this one was, uh, I guess a couple weeks ago, when uh, Gavin chose Mantissa, and his reason was, he said, you know, we always choose these albums that we love, and we want everybody to hear. And they're kind of like our favorite albums. But he chose Mantissa because it was an imperfect album, but he still wanted to talk about it. And this that was my, my reasoning for this one. Uh, I loved their first one, 
when it was, that came out like I think eighty nine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And w- when this one came out, I was so excited and I heard it, and I was kind of like, oh. But uh, to clarify, upon re-listening to it a lot, I really like it. It's got it's got problems, but it's still a pretty good listen, I think. So let's talk about Jay. First of all, have you heard of the Big F? I have. It wasn't until uh, I pulled the band up um, on Apple Music and looked at the first record cover, and I realized I remember that record being uh, pushed a lot in the rock, uh, hard rock uh, magazines in the late 80s. Um, I don't remember if I ever heard it, but I definitely, it sort of triggered a long lost memory in my mind of like, oh my God, I remember that. <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean, I heard the band, I remember there was a lot of push. Um, I vaguely knew that they were kind of a little off center from the late 80s sound, um, but uh, didn't fully know what to expect with this re- with this record and i hadn't heard anything from this okay i had not heard of them or heard any of the music so i'm coming into this completely and totally um <laughs> blind or or un unknown this is all totally unknown to me except for the fact the, uh... that the, the the actually two of the members are not unknown because they were in berlin yeah <laughs> now that is yeah, bizarre people realize that what yeah, I, yeah. When you listen to it, you know, that guy was in Berlin. Like, yeah. <laughs> so the um, the bassist and vocalist John Crawford, along with drummer Rob Brill, were both were both in Berlin. I believe John Crawford was the founder of Berlin. Yeah, he was the the main guy. <laughs> um, and uh, so I just want to read this from their Wikipedia page because this is like one of my favorite sentences of all time. It says that they were formed in 88, you know, by the, the, those two guys who, after Berlin broke up. This is my favorite sentence. They were joined by guitarist Mark Ch- Christian and later found themselves signed to Elektra Records, which released their self-titled <laughs> debut. How do you find yourself signed to Elektra? Like, you just woke up one day and go, guys, I just found this record contract. We're, we're signed to Elektra. That's such a passive well, sentence. Well, actually, basically, that's what happened. They, they got signed after three gigs. That's insane. Remember, this was the late '80s in Los Angeles. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. And they had been on a major, well, so I understand they were on. You know. Yeah. You know, it had singles. Had contacts, but. Right. Yeah. Also, you think about at this time, you know, because they're not. I mean, they're, you can't lump. You know, when we say Los Angeles band in the late '80s, you can't lump them in with you know, Winger and Rat, Motley Crue, and that all that kind of LA Sunset Trip stuff. To me, they're basically they're more like at the same time. You know, there's. You know, James Addictions, it just gotten signed. Uh, Drummer Rama has probably just gotten signed. And there's probably a couple other bands that are from LA that are, you know, kind of, that's kind of that straight on that line between hard rock and alternative or, you know, kind of finding their own little path. So I think they fit in with those guys more than what people may be thinking about late 80s LA. Um, well, we'll get into it but there yeah the those bands you mentioned okay and and there's some other ones the, so i just want to give everybody just a brief history so that you mentioned their first album came out in 88 it's self-titled it was on electra um they actually changed their names so mark or john crawford went by john shreve and 
Rob Brill went by Rob Donin uh, because they wanted no association with Berlin, mm-hmm. which is interesting. And then, the, so that was on Electra, and then Chrysalis actually released the second album, which is the one we're doing, is in 1993. And then Rob, there was a short reunion for Berlin after this, and then um, Rob Crawford actually became a born again Christian after this, and yep. did a like a solo album, and I don't know if he's still recording or not, but. Uh, as of the 2000s, he was heard, still releasing music. I just heard, uh, I was listening to Sirius of the Day, or I guess a couple months ago, and Mark Goodman, he just, he had gotten off, he did one of those 80s cruises, mm-hmm. and uh, Berlin was there, and he said that the, the two guys uh, from Big F were there. And uh, he asked he asked Mark about, um, he asked John about, you know, he heard rumors about him being, you know, born again, and he didn't want to talk about it, so I think hmm. he just wanted to do the you know do that gig. So, gotcha. Because gotcha. there were if you listen if you listen to the first album, it's a it's a lot angrier. And uh, if you listen to the lyrics, I think he had some stuff to uh, vent about uh, the Berlin and <laughs> his ex. Because oh, remember she became basically the band. So was the, so he was with Terry Nunn. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And then Terry Nunn went on to do something after this, but I don't I don't remember what. So here's the interesting thing about this band. There's like hard to there, there's like no reviews online of this band. There's a trouser press review, which is sort of just a summation of the band's releases and just a brief history. But like it's hard to find anything mm-hmm. on this band other than like user reviews at like some websites. Like there's some like those like metal websites, like Heavy Harmonies and stuff like that have some like user reviews but uh that's about it i so, think this was um because you know the last album was you know 89 and this was whatever 92 whatever 93 um i think they just had a really good contract because this came out and that was it because they, they released uh, an ep before the album came out for the, the first song patience i can't pronounce that word peregrine and then right after that there you go. And right after that, the album came out, and there was hardly any because I was working a record store at that time, and there was hardly any working in it at all. So, huh? You'd think. I mean, Chrysalis was a player back then. They weren't a small label. Yeah. So. Yeah, but you know how record labels are, though. You know, if you know Bob signed them and Bob's gone, you know Steve doesn't want to. True. Yeah. Um. So, let's get into talking about this record then. The nineteen ninety three record is by the big F, which is not the easiest thing to Google, by the way. Um, you have to be like, you have to put in like the big F is 1993 album. So what you're saying is going forward, we're going to be the number one result for anybody who searches the big F. That's what I'm saying, Jay. It all, awesome. it's all coming to us. Don't click on the video for the big F. <laughs> I would stay away from, Googling yeah. just the big F because you're going to come up with some yeah. fairly yeah. adult results. I'll just put it that yeah. way. Uh, <laughs> let's get into it. Jay, tell me one thing you liked about this record. I really like the guitar playing. It's a really cool mix of uh, a couple different styles. Um, you hear a little Jane's Addiction when the record starts off. Um, you know, it's got that 
kind of big reverby sound. But then you start to hear some things that are a little bluesier. You hear some fuzzy stuff. It's clean. It's dirty. He can shred. He can, you know, play simple melodic things. Overall, I just I really enjoyed listening to the guitar player. And I think, you know, just in terms of performance, the bass player's pretty good, too. I mean, in terms of meaning it, it plays a pretty important role in the band um, to the point where what's the track? It's track two. Like the chorus is really only hooky because of the bass. Like it does this. He does these chords that almost sound like Steve Harris ish, like. Iron Maiden kind of e, but they lock up with the vocal really cool and, and create a just a really good melodic hook for the chorus. I really just enjoyed listening to them play. You can tell that they, you know, worked this material out. They played really well with each other. I think in general, musically, it's fairly original. Um, It's familiar, but original, I guess you would say. Um, Like I said, with the guitar uh, styles, you hear things that are vaguely um, reminiscent of other bands or styles. But overall, I think it kind of, has its own little space um which i which i enjoyed as well so yeah i mean it's it's a good it's a pretty good guitar record yeah i'm I'm there with you too i liked the diverse sort of approach there's some stuff that like you mentioned track two way low to be low it sort of has this like break about three minutes into the song and then they come back and he does this solo that's like very I remember like of like a Vernon Reed or something like that. Like it's very aggressive in terms of being almost slightly like it's dissonant, but then melodic. And then there's these notes that seem like they don't shouldn't work, but he figures out a way to make it happen. And then there's stuff that's like really jazzy sounding um, that threw me for a loop. But I was like, uh, you know, it works in the context of certain songs. Um, but I, I, I'm getting from the fact, or I'm getting from listening to it that, um, what was it, Mark Christian, I think is the guitar player. Um, he definitely has, like, a trained background in terms of guitar. Like, this isn't somebody who just came up in, like, punk bands or something like that. Like, he's playing a lot of different styles. He's covering a lot of ground. He's carrying a lot of the songs. And um, whether it's, like, some of the stuff reminded me of you know like you guys mentioned like jane's addiction and early like 10 era pearl jam with like you know the more straight up rock sound of that album and then also there was some stuff that kind of sounded like early not too early but like bad motor finger soundgarden that chorus and um patience peregrine sounds a lot like soundgarden when the the ride symbol and that riff lock up that don't 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 yeah that, that that sounds like a really sound garden for sure
Yeah, it's an interesting They, uh, they, to they tore Soundgarden. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they, they went out and tore Soundgarden and Voivod. So I can hear that. Was that in like the Bad yeah. Finger era? Uh, no, I guess it's probably before this. Probably with, after loud. What's after the loud and the love? Or Ult maybe, probably is, yeah. So, yeah, I think yeah, the, I think Bad Motor Finger is the one after that because Ultra Mega OK is the first one, right? No, no, because this was on. No, I'm sorry, they they toured with them on the Big F's first album, so they probably oh, loved, 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 okay. loved, 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 okay, so that's yeah, that's real early then. But yeah, there's just you know. The, it, none of it sounds indebted to any of those bands. It just sounds like they were, you know, playing around. And, and there's other stuff that reminded me of, like, had the slightly, not, I don't want to say progressive, but it had, like, sounds that reminded me of, like, King's X and, um, like, that sound. But for the most part, it, it, it kind of had that, uh, like, that strange la mix of alternative and hard rock that jane's addiction did on you know their first two records or like i was thinking of like a band like liquid jesus Do you remember that band yeah um you know where there's like a percussiveness also to some of the songs that like the first song has almost uh you know like a i guess it's jane's addiction I'm, i was trying to think if there was another band but it, it has that like I don't want to say tribal, but there's a there's a definitely like a different sense of rhythm than just like a straight up mm. hard rock band, which would be more, you know, we're thinking of L.A. in the late '80s. You're thinking of, you know, the, what the Sunstrip, Sunset Strip was producing, and not the sort of alternative aspect of that. Yeah, that was the thing that I sort of gravitated towards. Um, Scott, so you mentioned that you didn't really like this record, or you were not maybe didn't like it, but you maybe didn't get it when you first got it. And then now it's sort of gained a little better favor. So what, what are some of the things that you have uh, enjoyed about this record? When you know, going back and listen to it, uh, what I remember, cause I, I went back and listened to it again, like, uh, like a couple of years ago, I pulled up on Spotify and for the longest time, only this app only is was on there. The first album wasn't up there. So I'm like, okay, well I'll listen to that. And uh, it just didn't, Catch me, you know the ones that the songs kind of that caught me were um, "Idiot Kids," and I was like, "Why wasn't this the the lead single?" Not to kind of jump to the problems to me the big problem was the first two songs it wasn't a really kind of welcoming you know you were like oh it did to me it didn't grab me at first as much as it did now i guess after going back and visiting because well, if you listen to the, the the first album the first song i uh, i can't think i should have had it pulled up already uh was like their their single and so uh it was because they had they had two videos on mtv that's what that's what i 
caught me because they had a for Dr. Vine and um, oh, the other track. And so you kind of like you got it in this one was a little bit more maybe noisier I don't know how to in comparison and so it just didn't grab me at first and the the, the uh, like you know I guess two weeks ago we did the the Galactic Cowboys and similar to them they put out an EP first and then put out the album mm. and um, it, it it was the same kind of thing huh they the put EP, out the EP, it, the EP before this record or before the first one yeah yeah, yeah. Oh. Before this one, they yeah. put the Patience Perchigin had a, uh, I think it's six songs. The four songs are off the album, and uh, two there's two new tracks on that. Hmm. Yeah. Well, other what really grew me to them was I always lo- I love power trios. I just think they're great. You know when they're done right. And because um, they came out like I said when they came out eighty this was eighty eight eighty nine. And we all know what the scene was, and they were they were really different, but they were still heavy and they're still somewhat melodic. You know, you could follow the song, and um, I maybe it's because between then and when Is came out, they weren't as different as everybody else was. You know, a lot of bands are were doing this the same kind of thing. So, well, yeah, and what I hear in terms of the actual songs and songwriting is not far off from, you know, like a candle box in some ways. When you think of like songs like you or, um, you know, some of the stuff that's on that first record, it's, it's the production is a little bit different and more suited for like 1993. Whereas I feel like the production on this is a little bit, dated for 1993 i don't know if you guys feel the same way or not but just it sounds more like an 80s record than a 1993 record to me uh huh i mean it's definitely maybe reverb has more reverb on it yeah i think that's the thing it it sounds spacier i didn't think it it i think didn't sound super dated to me but you're saying like if you would have heard this in 93 it would have sounded like too wet yeah because if you think about the difference between like this sounds to me similar to like pearl jams 10 but 93 is when versus came out and versus doesn't sound like 10 versus has a has a much more direct sound and i think that's where that's where it sounds like oh they didn't like update the sound as much as they should have in terms of dialing back that reverb okay same thing with like Soundgarden Super Unknown. I mean, that comes out in '94, right? And that's a much cleaner sound as opposed to like there. You know, Bad Motor Finger has some reverb on it. There's some. I, yeah, the thing is, I don't know if these guys would sound good clean. With, yeah, with I don't know. Plan. If you if if you cleaned them up too much, I just, I don't I think it would be kind of. I mean, I think this. I think they have to sound how how they sound with with what they're playing because if you do too clean i I don't know if it it stand out as much as i think that it does well and it's gonna sound weird saying it but like i wish it was cleaner but i also wish they were a little bit more willing to be experimental 
Um, track nine, Lube, which is a nine-minute long ex- exploration. Jazz Odyssey. <laughs> Jazz Odyssey. Yeah, exactly. That's what, that's what I've written down. <laughs> but the idea of, like, what if that had been maybe three minutes, but what, what if they had, like... If only. Yeah, I know. But they clearly, like, had an idea to, like, let's do something different. And I'm wondering, like, if they had tried to do something a little bit different on some of the songs that sound pretty stock. Like, they're mm-hmm. pretty safe in terms of how they're, you know, produced and presented. I wonder if that would have maybe set them apart a little bit more. Um, it might have completely tanked the record, but I don't know that it would have done any better or worse than what it did. Worse, right. So... But they clearly well, had the ability to do it. Yeah, I mean, I, to me, the what the my biggest issue with the band, and I guess I would argue, is likely what held them back more than anything is the the vocals. Like, it's not. It's a very. I, I found it polarizing, um, at at best. Um, I think he can sing in a lot of different styles and has a voice to do. And he does do some different things, but when he gets into that kind of real raspy kind of, I don't even know, like kind of yell vocal, it just, it's hard to pull the melodies out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my biggest struggle is, is just, I think if the vocal was a little bit different, um, less kind of gargly. I don't know how else to describe it. Guttural at times. Yeah, um, yeah because I on some of the stuff he's good. really, yeah, on some of the songs he is really, you know, throaty. Yeah. But on some other ones he's he's singing you know somewhat clean. Yeah. And I, I don't know if he could have found a middle road or or if he tried it either way or what. Because I'm with you, like idiot kid, and I think the second half of the record, um, where they get a little more melodic major mm-hmm. chords i mean it's still different and weird and there's still um everything you like about the first half of the record but um i think idiot kid is a great example of um you know a little cleaner vocal a little less throaty like you said um i think that song can go to a whole other level that's and that's probably one of the songs where the vocal works best you know i think the, those verses are actually okay for that kind of delivery but i still think you know the chorus could be a lot better with a different voice and um i think the band can get i mean for a three-piece they can you know the sound gets very big and then they know dynamically how to make things big they mix in some little keyboards here and there that are kind of subtle um to help elevate things um i just for me i think it's the vocal that that holds the record back what do you think tim yeah, I was not in love with it. I just it's it's not bad. It's just it's not distinct. And I don't really like love what he does with it in terms of I, I there's not a lot of like I don't think there's a lot of really strong melodies working here. Um in terms of like choruses that I remember and I just like the vocal doesn't make me go, oh, I want to like, re- I don't, it doesn't make me want to remember the song. 
in any any way, shape, or form. I remember it because I remember guitar riffs. I'm like, oh, that's this mm-hmm. song. When I when I listen back to it, I'm like, this is that riff. That's that riff. And really, I should be remembering like a hook, vocally. You know, even the be- even the best like hard rock bands are usually a step above because they have a great lead singer. And this to me is like a very like middle of the road singer that could be in any sort of like regional hard rock band. So that's where I'm at with it. I love when they throw some harmonies here and there too. And uh, I wish they did more of that background and background vocals. When he sings like gruff, his sound doesn't, his voice doesn't have like any character as much as it does when he's singing, you know, quote unquote clean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because, like you said, you know, with the guitar parts, like on, um, like the first couple tracks, when he's singing, he's really kind of gruff and throaty. You think of the guitar tracks, but for me, when like Idiot Kids in P5O, are you here to me when I hear the songs? I hear his voice then, as opposed to hearing the music on the other ones. Where are you guys at with Mother Mary? I liked it. I like it because it's different from the rest of the record. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's something in the guitar playing. I, I like the like the lead tone, but there's some of that like slide delay that sounded like, I don't know, like, I don't want to say cheap. That's not the right word, but it just, it didn't sound like, it didn't sound like the best idea. It was just like the idea that they arrived at at that time and that's what they went with. But like, just I felt like there was like, it was undercooked. I guess I would say like there could have been more to it. Well, I, yeah, I think you're onto something because that when this song starts, that lead is I love that lead. I love that melody and that guitar tone is really cool. Um, and it, I like how it just fades in and you're it, it just drops you. You feel like you're dropping in the middle of something big mm-hmm. about to happen, and then they pull it down and they go into the i guess the rest of the song and it's like a different time signature too like there's a weird shift that happens it almost sounds like two songs put together and yeah they go into that slide part which is it's okay it just feels a little bit like underwhelming yeah and then they end strong where they bring that lead back and that acoustic part and then they add a vocal that goes with that lead so the whole thing makes sense at the end of the song and it kind of ends big I like his singing, his vocals in this yeah. song sound yeah. better. I don't know. It just made me want to hear like more of this. Like, let me, let me hear some more of this, like acoustic guitar with fuzzy lead over top of it and see what that, you know, they can do with that kind of sound. Cause it was kind of weird and different. Yeah. That's what I'm saying about like with, 
them doing things that are a little more unexpected. What I uh, what, to me the drawback about Mother Mary is um, two songs before it, they basically do the same kind of thing, to where they play one one song, and then they kind of turn on the drop of a dime. Well, way low to below. Mm-hmm. They oh, kind of yeah. do the same thing, and um, plus that song's you know five minutes long, uh, another minute long, and, and so so by the time they do to Mother Mary. I don't know if it's, it's, it seems as unique as it would have if you didn't hear track two. Gotcha. I guess maybe just because they're at such wildly different tempos that maybe is enough yeah. to like separate them. Although they yeah. might have wanted to separate them by in terms of track listing more. Maybe move Mother Mary to mm-hmm. like five or six just to create a little bit more space between the two. I was going to ask about um, Fee-Fi-Fo or Fee-Fo-Fi. <laughs> okay yeah like that's that to me had like a cool like when i mentioned king's axe like it had this almost progressive like cool rhythmic thing going on and like the the guitar mm-hmm. sort of counting off it but then the song is like almost seven minutes long yeah. and i'm like yeah. guys <laughs> you could have made this a really cool like four minute song yeah I, I don't know. I don't know. There was there was just some. I don't know who produced this record, in terms no, of no. Uh, if they did or not. But like, there was some odd decision making. Um. Normally, yeah. I, I I'm with you on that, but I was com- I'm conflicted with this band. I don't. I'm not sure if they're better trying to be a pop band or if they're better trying to be focusing more on the musicianship and the and getting a little bit more progressive, you know? So yeah, some of the longer songs, they actually have some of my favorite parts on the record. Um, from a playing standpoint, I mean, I guess you go to your point though, like in terms of just maybe going a little further, it's like commit one way or the other, you know, or are you going to be right? Are you going to write, try to write pop songs? Or are you going to commit and just be a band that explores and does weird things and makes, you know, you know, uh, melt a lot of different things together and do a unique sound and kind of forget about format and how long, you know, songs need to be and all that. It sounds like they're not quite going far enough and then also just not quite pop enough. Yeah, it's odd. It's, it just, you know, we're talking about how long these songs are. The album's only nine songs long. Yeah. It's only 48 minutes. Four of them them are over five minutes and only one is under four. And lube is a, I mean, if you took that off, you're at 40 minutes. Right. Yeah, that, yeah. man, that thing needed it. To me, that song, when it starts off, you're like, oh, this is kind of neat. Yeah. And then, like, about three minutes in, you're like, is somebody's brother, like, a trumpet player? And, like, you know, <laughs> hey, Bob, you want to be on our album? And uh, if they would have cut out, honestly, if they would have cut out the uh, guitar solo and made this, like, probably, like, a four-minute track, You'd be like, okay, that's a weird, quirky little, you know, coda. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and you're like, you're like, keep looking at your watch, like, really? Are they still going? You know. Yeah, I I didn't mention it at the top, but I guess around the time this album came out, uh, John Crawford actually stepped back from playing bass like live, and they brought in a bass player so he could just sing. So they, they touring wise, they became a four piece. 
Yeah, like I got to read what you said. His bass playing is really good. If you listen yeah. to it, um, it's he almost plays like lead bass at times because he plays a lot of the main riffs and he lets the guitar player kind of experiment, kind of do go off and do what he wants. And it's it's, it's really it's really especially if you're a bass player, it's a really nice listen to because he does some really good stuff without being too crazy like, you know, flea you know progressive guy weird stuff. It's just really solid bass playing. Right. Yep. You can tell that it's um, foundational to the songwriting too. Like the yeah the, yeah. It's not just a bass part added to a guitar riff. It's actually the like Steve Harris, like those songs are written from a bass point of view and then they put other instruments on top of them. Yeah, exactly. All right. So let me ask you guys in the, in the time period we're talking about 1993, is it unsurprising that this didn't make a huge dent or a dent in terms of radio or sales or anything like that? I, I really don't hear a single that works on like unless you added something down to like you know three and a half minutes four minutes something like that i don't know that there's a a particular song that would work as a radio single do you guys have one in mind or i think any kid could have been a single you know they probably had they probably had a major radio cut and edit but i thought that was a that would have been a that would have that would have worked yeah i'm with you i could i could have heard that sneaking in Uh, i don't know that the whole record would have been big but I, th- I could have heard that song somewhere on rock radio in, in the middle. Like Alternative Nation or 120 Minutes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whatever was on at the time. Or yeah. even like region, regional radio, you know, I could, Cleveland radio, I can imagine, you know, playing a song like that. Probably Wicked Thing, too. There's a couple that, that could have worked. I mean, they wouldn't have been, you know, they wouldn't have been big crossover things, but they would have been like, you know, Louis Largent would have talked about him on 120 minutes, you know. <laughs> Louis Largent. <laughs> nice. Is that his name? I wow, f- that's a name I haven't heard in a while. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like there, maybe it was just, maybe the, whatever was happening with the record label, you know, it, it just didn't pan out. But like, this sounds like a band that could have been like, like you said, Jay, like Cleveland Radio would have pushed them. They would have been like, pushed it on some like regional you know tour like you mentioned about Soundgarden I think they opened for some other people as well I forgot what the Wikipedia page said um, they opened for Bad Religion which seems like a weird that must have been earlier or maybe it wasn't at this period I don't know yeah. but like I could you know it's doing some radio um, you know bill where they have like a bunch of bands you know <clears throat> WMMS has like you know their uh, the big radio festival things yeah, yeah those radio festival things this would be the band that you would catch on like you know the side stage not on the main stage and you might walk away going oh they were pretty good live and then get the record um, yeah. but I, I just don't I don't hear I don't hear the big hook necessary to like elevate them to like daytime MTV multiple spins on you know what would yeah, be Clear I, Channel later. I could I could imagine this band kind of being a, a possibly a, a pain in the butt to a record executive because um you know their last album came out in '89, which I think would 
you know, they would have kind of fit in with that kind of first of hard rock alternative bands. And this comes out three years later, which is like a lifetime. Yep. And, and those guys, you know, John Crawford was the main guy in Berlin, thought he got screwed over. Um, and so, plus he's older. They're, they're older than probably all their contemporaries that they're sticking them out there with, you know, all the other bands that are the band, the label's trying to push. Yeah. And they're thinking these are old, you know, you know, you know, six, seven, eight years is like, you know, a generation to, to some people, you know, when they're trying to sell posters of, you know, Nirvana and Pearl Jam, you don't want to put up a poster of like, you know, a 35 year old dude or, you know, how old they made it then, you know. Yeah. That's true. I hadn't really thought about the age thing, but that does make a difference. You know, he was born. Yeah. I just looked it up. He was born in '57. Yeah. So, I'm trying to. I'm. A, I'm going to do some math here. So, '67, '77, '87. He's already like 35 when this record comes out. Yeah. Yeah. And you think about it. You know, he, you're out touring with 20 somethings. Yeah. And then you've got the the Berlin. I'm sure like. Berlin was not cool in 1993. No. Well, They've they sort of come yeah. around to like people have like appreciate sort of 80s new wave uh now, but like back then you know, he like in the way that he changed his name for the re- for the first mm-hmm. release, like I'm sure there was like a little bit of like him I don't I don't I, there would be that would be a strange situation. As opposed yeah. to a twenty-three-year-old or twenty-five-year-old coming up. Interesting. So yeah, and his, yeah, I think we, he's thirty-five, and the, you know, the record label he's talking to is probably you know five years, ten years younger than him. You know, some twenty-five-year-old kids telling him what he has to do to make the music business. He's right. Like, you know, <laughs> that's put a burr in your saddle. You know. Right. All right. We've 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 hit that mark where we need to talk about our overall ratings on this album were the album better EP or decent single. So Jay, I'm going to start with you. Where you at? I'm in an EP. Um, I like the um, track two way low to be low. I like uh, idiot kid heads out. I like gone ancient. Um, I like, is it Mama Jamie? Mama, mm-hmm. Mama Jamie. Um, I like some of uh, FIFO Fi. So I'm in. A, I'm in a solid EP here. Uh, it was a fun listen. Um, I, I think there's a lot. If you like uh, some of the bands that you heard us talk about, you know, there's not a ton of bands that sound like those bands. So if you're looking for more stuff like that, th- this is a band to check out. If you're a guitar nerd uh, or a, a bass player, I think this is worth checking out. So, yeah, I think it's a worthy EP. I'm going to agree with you in the EP department. I'm probably at about four songs, most of the ones that you mentioned. I If the, if you edited some of the other ones down, I would add them. Or, mm, yeah, I guess you'd have to do that because I'm not going to I'm not gonna re-record the album because <laughs> that would be, I, probably be my, <laughs> my preference. So I'd probably be at about a four-song EP. Scott, where do you land? I'm in an... I'm in an album, but I, you know, you kind of change that song or that the song order. Yeah, I mean that's 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 a big thing. 
know, I know you guys like why the second song. To me, that's where it just kind of went off. The, you know, that I think that just kind of put it in a dip. That should have been like, if you would take those first two songs and put them at seven and eight, I think it's a totally different kind of out, different listening experience. Yeah, I agree. Because then you're starting and, out with uh, Wicked Thing, know, and that's um, yeah. That riff to start the record is a much different yeah experience. Starting off with like a, a six a six minute fuzzy song, you're like, ugh. You know, it's it's good, but you're just like, dude, we just started going. You know, it's right. It's like listening to fish. <laughs> let's not do. Let's not go there. That's yeah. <laughs> well, you were talking about you know other bands. You know, when I was listening to this on on Spotify, you know, after you listen to if you listen to the album. The album ends and it kind of goes into "quote unquote" radio. Yeah. Uh, when I was listening to this, the bands that came on afterwards were I wrote it down here: Mother Love Bone, King yeah. X, Coc, and Warrior Soul. Yeah, I was gonna say like, Warrior Soul. Yeah, you're like, yeah, okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those all make way sense. Low to be, way low to be low. The vocal on that sounds a lot like, uh, say, Corey Clark. Yeah. Is that the guy's name? Sounds a lot like. Yeah. Him. They're not like any of those bands, but they they fit with them, I guess. Yep. Yeah. You know. And Spotify smart. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good job. <laughs> like even lyrically, I heard a little Mother Love Bone here and there. Yeah. Um, too. So that makes sense. Scott, thanks for bringing this to us. This is an interesting one in terms of the the time frame and, and in terms of the mm-hmm. uh, the city. You know, we talked about L.A. back in the – a couple of years back. So this is an interesting band to add to that collection and of uh, unique artists that came out in the 90s, of our albums that came out in the 90s. So uh, thanks for suggesting this. Well, you know, I'm glad. I, I like this band. I, hopefully, if people like this, listen to their first album. It's uh, I think it's a little bit more coherent and uh, – also listen to Larry's because he's <laughs> he's really pissed. So, and this record is pretty widely available. You can it seems like you can listen to it just about anywhere in the U.S. So yeah, both yeah. of them. Actually. It is is in in the second one. Like I said, the second the first one is finally on Spotify. It wasn't for the longest time. And then there's there's an EP out there too that's got two extra songs. Which you'd have to go to Discogs probably to acquire that one because I don't see that on uh, it's yeah. not on Spotify. So no, it, that's odd. It's odd that that EP is not on there. Just one of the magical uh, situations on Spotify where things, for some reason, don't appear. Yeah. <laughs> At least it's not one of those situations where there's missing particular songs, which is one of the most aggravating things. <laughs> You're like, oh, I just want to listen to... Oh, that song's not there. Okay. I wonder how many people, when they're, when they're making their choices, don't choose something because it's not on Spotify. Uh, I think we get... Uh, I feel like we get a good mix because yeah. often, yeah, um, maybe one in five. I mean, Tim and I actually have to ask for them to send us the MP3s because we don't—they're just not available anywhere. Well, no, right. I wanted like say because I I wanted to choose a couple of different things, but they weren't available. So I'm like, I don't want to do that. I want I want people to. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. I yeah, I will I say it's easier for us. Cut. Yeah. 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 But yeah, if I want to choose something, you know, it's like I want everybody to, you know, we talk about it, and then I don't want somebody to have to kind of go digging through YouTube for weird links and, you know, right, yep. making playlists and stuff. So, 
I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, we both do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate listening to music on YouTube. Yeah. Scott, thanks for coming on with us. And again, thank you for uh, supporting the podcast and, and contributing over at our Patreon community. We always enjoy your posts, no matter how um, uh, acerbic they are at times. <laughs> hey, did, did, did anybody comment on this one? No, there were no comments. Everybody Not was floored. Not even the other Scott. Oh, jeez. Maybe the other Scott was um, afraid to weigh in with a negative comment and ruin the Scott com- camaraderie. Oh, the Scott Rottery. I even voted. I even voted for whatever that the last poll was because of him. I honored the Scott block and chose his choice. <laughs> no more. It's over. Oh, the Scott Uh-oh. block has fallen. Cracks in the Scott block. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. For the folks so out if there, your name is Scott. We're okay. looking for more. We're looking for more of you on Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> your name's Scott, and you have a seven dollars and fifty cents. <laughs> we need to build a new alliance. Yeah. Patreon.com forward slash dig me out is where you go to join us for bonus content for uh, if you join at the starting at the $2 level, we have stickers and then at other levels we have t-shirts. You can join our steering committees and our board of directors to help us pick 80s episodes to help us pick roundtables and such. And then also, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out and we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash dig me out and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages as well as our merchandise store at Zazzle.com.